0: tonight we have the wolf pat venom which really pays off uh of the wolf pat theme i said pays all there's right. no like... venom in a wolf that's <laughs> okay. a snake bro all right tonight we have the wolf pat venom which really pay pays i have jeremy syndrome i've had a few dreams
1: it's a lemon peel i was it's gonna say beer. this i was gonna say Just fucking do it. I haven't even started because
2: I know that we're not starting. All right. Here we go.
3: Ready, gentlemen? (gasps) All right. Welcome back to Three and a Half Gentlemen, the podcast where three of the four hosts provide a refined and intellectual analysis to movies from our private collections and one of us who sips his drink irritatingly as we try to do the intro. It's really sweet. (laughs) We'll let you decide which host is which, but for now, my name is Sean and with me are my co-hosts, Jeremiah. Classic yo. What's up? Brandon. and Eddie I'm tired why are you tired just continue please okay uh, as you know, by now, our goal is to answer a simple question. How many drinks does it take to get through each selection at the end of the podcast? We'll rate the movie based on a scale of zero to five, zero being that you can watch the movie still cold sober and five being the only way to get through it is be blackout spring break drunk. In addition to our review, we pair our selection with a cocktail that we hope will enhance the viewing experience. We invite you now to shake stir or mix the cocktail we've chosen and settle in for what we hope will be an engaging review. For legal reasons, we don't condone or encourage anyone under the age of 21 to drink along with us. Don't do it. Because we live in a ridiculous society where people are stupid. Stupid. Stupid punk ass motherfucker. We must ask you not to drink and drive or cuss if you're listening to us in the car. I'm sorry. I had to throw that one in. (laughs) The jar has been (laughs) pulled. Filled? Yeah. Fold? I don't know. Filled. Okay. This drink is excellent. Okay. So what do we have this evening, Brandon?
2: Well, we are going to go ahead and tackle and wrestle The Hangover, something that each of us are probably going to experience tomorrow morning. The Hangover, the 2009 film by Todd Phillips, which tells the story of Phil, Stu, and Alan, who traveled to Las Vegas for a bachelor party to celebrate the impending marriage of their buddy Doug. However, Phil, Stu, and Alan have no memory of the previous night's events and must find Doug before the wedding can take place. The film stars Bradley Cooper, Ed Helms, Zach Galifianakis, and Justin Bartha
3: and was a sleeper comedy hit of the summer of 09. So we did call a little bit of an audible. Um, Apparently, I don't know the difference between this movie and Pineapple Express. Um, But uh, uh, we had said that we were going to do Pineapple Express. We ended up doing The Hangover, which uh, I think is a more impactful film holy shit genre.
2: you watched pineapple express and thought it was the hangover
3: no i watched oh that'd be awkward well Jer- jeremy why don't you talk tell us about the cocktail selection
1: as usual we try and pair a cocktail to the tone feel, and over impact of the movie we selected sometimes the drink is referenced directly and other times the drink will simply be inspired by the film tonight since eddie is the one who chose the film Fuck, he's I in charge it. of the cocktail eddie What's the cocktail,
0: yo? I'm when not going to lie, though, Eddie.
3: When the hell did I choose this film? Eddie. <laughs> I chose the tr- cocktail. Oh, this was a group selection. Yes. Oh, that's an error. Okay, well, it's account. all right. Let's that's continue. Okay. So tonight,
0: I did chose a drink because I was like, oh, you know what? I can, I can do this. we step it up, I, I stepped it up, definitely. Thank you. Tonight, we have the Wolfpack Venom, which really plays off the Wolfpack theme of the movie. I thought maybe we should take the Ager shots like they did at the beginning of the movie, but we've already kind of done that. So I didn't have a chance to go to my drug dealer and get some Florries. Oh, you went there. So Sean, tell us about uh, the drink I, I uh, selected. To make
3: this cocktail, you'll need Hennessy, Hypnotic, Melon Liqueur, Orange Juice, Grenadine, and Orange Slices for garnish. As usual, usual the complete recipe is on our website at thegentlemanpodcast.com.
2: Send me one of those episodes.
3: Holy shit, how drunk are we, everybody? Brandon, tell
2: us about the review. I mean, I'm going to try to make it through this one. To give you guys all a little insight into our selection process for the first season, we're reviewing movies that are important to each of us. These are the movies that we feel have in some way shaped how stories have been told throughout time and even how they're going to be told in the future on screen.
1: So we won't be... Fuck! We won't be talking about the movie straight through. Instead, we'll let the conversation flow naturally. That said, we'll be touching on different film aspects, including plot, characters, direction, music, cinematography, and anything
3: else that might come up. Fuck, am I? So (laughs) let's talk a little bit about this movie. So we realized today in the kitchen, uh, this movie came out the same year we graduated from college in 2009. And that was a full 10 years ago, which was, it's a little depressing. Some of you, some of you, it's, it's been 11 years (laughs) for some of you, me. So this movie's a decade old. And one of the things that struck me to begin with is how young Bradley Cooper looks and how young Ed Helms looks. And I actually had to look it up because I was watching it with uh, Kim, and uh, she did not believe that this movie, uh, or not she didn't believe, that's not the right thing, um, that she was questioning whether this movie was before or after Office, the office where he was in the office. And I remember that the office started around 2005. And so he was like introduced in season, I think, three, episode one of season, yeah, of, of The Office. And so this was basically congruent with that. This movie and his uh, introduction to The Office was about the same time. Yeah, I think this was definitely an
2: intro into the Ed Helms. And I mean, Ed Helms has kind of always played kind of the straight guy, um, the straight laced guy. This movie, though, I really like it because he goes off. And becomes, in a lot of ways, the central character that kind of perpetuates things as far as kind of the one that everything's based around. Um, and I do want to remark how you talk about how young Bradley Cooper looks and how Ed Helms is Ed Helms. Uh, Zach Galifianakis, the man, is, is, is a god because he hasn't aged one bit since uh, Out Cold, which anybody see
3: Out Cold? Yes. Isn't that the I movie where, where, they spin, where they spin the, the car, car on the ice the, the, and then or, wake the guy up yeah, when yeah, he's, he's driving? One of the, the few times
2: that I actually laugh out loud in a where movie. Where you got caught that.
0: in the spa, too? Oh, the
2: spa, I and then the, the polar bear? Yeah. So, you know... Almost, we were talking about another
0: movie. All, he played the role, Alan. You know that they cast a whole bunch of other people to try to get this uh, role. Jack Black and...
3: yeah. yeah. That would have been Jake Gyllenhaal too well, I read. And once again, it yeah. was before Zac Galifianakis. Uh, in, in my notes, it says Galifianakis because I can't ever know. Mm-hmm. I, I know think it's the name. Greek of him. Good. It's just it's in the Greek. It's in the Latin. Um, but <laughs> but he was it was before he was big. It was before any of them were really big. I mean, Bradley Cooper was had some TV success, and then all of a sudden, I think this was his first major jump into. Well, he had a Wedding Crashers. Film. He had Wedding Crashers, and then this one, I think. Okay, so I've never seen Wed- Wedding Crashers. Yeah, he was the I'm villain. audible that shit later. Yeah, he was kind of like
0: the villain in that. Movie.
1: He
2: was the he was the asshole in that one too. Put <laughs> <laughs> so this way,
0: the beginning
1: of it—it's a great setup. How the movie starts. I mean, like when Bradley Cooper's like, "Yeah, we fucked up." And seriously, it just starts right from the get-go of how this movie's going to be. And you know what? It's a fun ride.
3: So you've got uh, Justin uh, Bathro. What's his um, Bartha? I always thought it was Bathura because I'm, you know, not very Barber. smart, but, um, Doug. and I don't read, I don't, I say people's names and don't read them for decades. National treasure out. guy. That's exactly, what I say. National yeah, treasure guy. Name's Doug. Yeah. Doug. Doug is, is cool. And he's there with Alan and they're getting, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> they're getting sized up for tuxedos. <laughs> he says, uh, he makes the comedy. He's getting close to my shaft. I, I feel like ninety nine percent of Galifianakis's Alan's words were ad libbed in this in this movie because who, that's not a natural thing to write in a in a script. It's funny, funny though, some of the stuff that he's saying, it's what we're thinking, we're, yeah. but we just don't say it. Like he actually comes out and says it, and he's wearing a, jo- a jock strap. And then yes. Jeffrey Tambor, the dad, comes in and to tells him that he's got his, mother's, he's got his legs mother's legs, and they look weird. I just thought that was just a way to open it. You're just you're setting up Alan's character as this kind of slow, uh, not really. awkward. He's I mean I I don't think he's, he's slow. He's, slow. Just, he's awkward. just awkward as
2: yeah. hell. You don't think he's slow? He's smart as he's, shit. I think yeah. I mean we see that he's Rain Man. Yeah, literally. Rain Man was <laughs> literally.
1: No, no, no. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say
2: it. Don't say it. Don't, don't, don't say that. He's medium. <laughs>
3: Mentally, uh, no, 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 no. So I'm going to
2: take it back to Todd Phillips who has got a heck of a resume there. We look at it. We got old school road trip due date. This one. Well, really the trilogy of the hangovers and then the upcoming Joker, which seems like a nice weird departure. And uh, I think I speak for everybody when I say, holy shit, can we wait for that? No, we can't.
1: You no, know, Todd Phillips actually like, you know, sacrifice his whole career. Well, I would say his career, but, you know, he did kind of like the whole Star Wars like negotiation. His agent pretty much like, you know, went to the studio and actually, you know, told him to not give me the 6.5 million because, you know, they didn't have any good stars. They were short with cash and everything like that. So what happened was, is that he asked for return 15% of the stake of the film. By doing so, Phillips walked away with $70 million.
0: I saw that. Yeah. Come. Can you believe that, man? That's pretty cool. That's dope.
1: That's, stuff. that's Lucas style.
3: It that's Lucas style craftery. A <laughs> lot of, the, a lot of the
0: actors and actresses, they were making like really barely anything in this movie. Oh, exactly.
2: And I think one of the reasons, and we see it, and this is one of the things that I really, really, really appreciate about this movie, is that none of the reactions, and Sean, you kind of mentioned this with uh, the ad-libbing um, that Gallifinakis gives, is that they genuinely look like they're having fun. Like you look at some some movies, and they just don't seem like it, it looks scripted. You know, I mean, just to put it plainly, this it looks like a bunch of friends who just got together and are are enjoying the time i mean i'm not even taking it to you know they they're playing their their parts as if they're like living within their parts but literally okay so what they're actors but they're enjoying what they're doing and i think that that translates across the screen and we laugh because they're laughing at their stupidity and at at their um
3: galifianakis jokes and i think a lot of that is, is the tight script so from the first, I think it's like five minutes before we actually get onto the road to go to Vegas, all the characters are almost fully developed by the time they get in the car. You've got Doug, who's a super nice guy, just seems like a real genuine. The groom. The groom, yeah. yeah. Uh, you've got Phil, who is hawking money from the kids <laughs> to go to Vegas. Cool. You've got Al, um, Alan, who's weird, and we've got the weird chicken legs. And then I you've watched. got Stu, who uh, is talking to his girlfriend and uh, trying to convince her that they're going to wine country for... The bachelor party. So all of them have, like, a starting a starting place, I feel like. They do. And then but by the time they get into the car and start going, you kind of slowly get to peel back who they actually are, which is even... That, that's part of the fun, right? Is you're peeling back who they... You expect Phil to be kind of, you know, who Phil actually is. But I did not expect that from Stu. Like, I, I was convinced Stu was going to be, like, the straight-edge guy going to Vegas. And he he... Kind of wasn't.
1: I love Alan in that gas that gas station scene where the old man goes up to him. says, like, hey, it's a nice car. It's Don't like, touch it. Don't touch it. Don't even <laughs> Don't look, even at, look at, at, it. at it. That's right. You Don't better look at walk it. on. I'm not afraid of an old man. <laughs> That's the funniest like you know like conversation what he does right there, man.
0: But then it it, it tapers off into Doug and uh, Phil and they're in the gas station. They're paying, and I remember Phil was like, uh, uh Doug was like. Uh, you know, we did. We just can't let him gamble or we drink too much. And then Phil was like, "Jesus, he's like a gremlin. Comes with instructions and shit." <laughs> that made me laugh so much, and it made me think like, God, we all have that one friend that's just like, you know, you have to bring him along, but you just know if he gets too much inside of him, like he's just in you know, like, you don't uh, know what's going to happen.
2: Is Eddie our friend?
0: I no. Oh no. Okay.
2: No, no it's Sean not me either. Friend. No,
3: no, no. You Come get on. Too much
0: alcohol on you, and you.
3: I get happy. I think oh. we, we know
2: who it was.
1: Oh, know. this is like JV. Oh, baseball <laughs> friends. Gotcha. Uh, no, but when we <laughs> A little uh, late to the party, guys, I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> uh, one of the things that I do want to touch on before we kind of get going is when we meet Stu, um, you know, Eddie, Eddie might have mentioned it before is, is he had the line and it, it's his movies only 10 years old and the word, the word faggot, when he says it, I hate that word, I hate it. No, it's what we're talking about, <laughs> Brandon. I know. So when they you know, when he says paging Doctor Faggot, the word the word is just it was the movie's only ten years old, and it feels like it's a thousand years old. It feels like that word has become so, it's, been, it's become so synonymous with this this hateful rhetoric. It's just what what what, Brandon? No,
2: and I was going to say I I agree with you one hundred percent. And this movie to me, one of the reasons it succeeds, which is surprising, is that it, it goes to the line and it crosses that boundary. And it jumps over the boundary. I mean, some of the jokes, you look at some of the jokes and and they're funny. We laugh at it, but we laugh at it because it's uncomfortable. Um, I, I think one of the lines that we kind of all remember is that um, it's frowned upon like masturbating in an airplane, which has been illegal <laughs> since 9-11. And, and Alan's response to that is simply, thanks a lot, Bin Laden. I mean, here we are making a 9-11 joke. And, and, you know, it's only eight, eight years. Eight years after yeah. the fact. And did I laugh? Yes. And do other people laugh at that? Yeah. But when we do take a step back, we go, Damn, that's that's pretty hardcore joke right there. And I think at some points we have to say, kind of what what point is it is it past the the point of of no joking about it? Now we can go ahead and joke about some of these things. I
1: don't know. I think the F word, and I can't even say it for myself. I think it's the most offensive word to mm-hmm. say, it, you know. And uh, even to this day, I can't even even like you know hear it because I get offended by just like there's a tone, there's a uh, there's an aggressive tone when people say that word and. For me, it's just it's just not my my vocabulary, and I just look frowned upon against people who actually do shit like that.
2: See, for me, it's that word, and then also another word that really really bothers me is the word retard. And again, that's that's a hugely played upon word here too. I mean, do yeah. they make it? They change it. Alan changes it. Galifianakis changes it to retard, and we've all quoted that. I think we've probably all quoted that. Oh, he, you know, you're acting like retard. Same thing is it's taking a word that is is massively offensive. And it's making a joke of it. And I do find myself questioning, is it making a joke of it? Is that a good thing? Or is it just
3: simply adding to the problem? So for me, speech is always a good thing. It's always good to use words and to lessen their effect. And I think that that, this movie did that successfully in 2009. But it doesn't hold up today for me. And that's something that I didn't like about the jokes is that they just didn't feel fresh. They felt flat and old and that's one that's that's my biggest critique of the movie really cuz I think it's an enjoyable movie I think it's great but it just didn't feel fresh it didn't feel didn't feel like a modern movie it felt like it was old it dated itself
0: the jokes were good then but this it, they just don't carry over or older now you know
2: or maybe it's that this was kind of an establishing point kind of similar to I think old school and that now we have other movies that have played off of some of the jokes right. and so in a lot of ways we can't really fault it even though I think it's easy to do that. And I'm not saying that you're doing it incorrectly, but we look at it and go, Oh, well it's been played to death. Even though this was kind of like Eddie, I think you said is, is it was kind of the Brown groundbreaking point to it. Um, And that it, it does feel dated only because we've heard these same jokes in the same context from this movie
3: over and over and over again throughout, you know, film. And that's one of our goals too. I mean, if you look at our, our kind of our charter this season is to look at movies that kind of shaped the way film yeah, evolved over time, and this definitely did have that. I guess it. What for me, what didn't work was, it was that the jokes might have been funny at the time, and they probably they were funny at the time. I I laughed in two thousand nine. I couldn't get enough of this movie, but it became offensive. It didn't become unfunny. It almost became almost more offensive. And I think that's kind of my. And I understand what you're going. I think I think you're right. I really do. I think I'm I'm approved but that's that's just me i
2: think that there are some of those and then i think that there's some genuine jokes and genuine lines that i mean actually make me laugh and make other people laugh um you know, one, one to me, one of the parts I laughed out loud. You know, this week after having seen it probably six or seven times, uh, the movie is when Alan walks up to the the desk girl at hotel <laughs> <House> <laughs> and asks, "Is this hotel pager friendly? Yeah, I friendly. Mean, it, you Bieber have payphone yeah. bank? Do you got a yeah. place
3: for like yeah, I can like, answer my legitimately? Pay.
2: That's <laughs> that's such an innocent joke, yeah. And, and maybe it it stands out because it's one of those few innocent jokes within a movie full of maybe not so innocent jokes.
3: Or is this the real Caesar's palace? Is this the real Caesar's palace? (laughs) Um, I mean, another one
2: again, offensive. Yes. But funny. Yes. Is when Alan just looks up and he says what they give rings out at the Holocaust. Um, Oh God. (laughs) I mean, and, but I think that that right there, that reaction, Sean is exactly why this movie in my opinion works is because it says the things that uh, you mentioned this earlier with Alan as a character is that he says the things that we all kind of have thought, but, we're, no, we're but we are have the ever, filter. Ever, yeah. We have the filter. And what happens when you take that filter away? Well, you get some jokes that legitimately maybe work and make us
3: laugh, but they make us laugh because we are... Damn uncomfortable, and I think a lot, of, a lot of the this movie does that. I mean, when we're jumping ahead a little bit, but when he gives his little speech on the on the rooftop of Vegas, <laughs> and he says, "We're looking for a night spent looking for strippers and cocaine," I was just like, "Oh, that that's about par." Like that's that's what I, this movie was. The I had never been to Vegas, so I didn't go to Vegas until two thousand. My wedding, yeah, two thousand thirteen. Thirteen.
2: We're in Southern California, people. That's a four hour drive. It's
3: yeah. So I I had not been. So I had not been to Vegas how at the was time it though? of this movie. It was epic. Yeah, okay. But in my head, this movie <laughs> is what everyone did in Vegas. It was stripper's cocaine and drugs and alcohol and just craziness. And I didn't not go because I didn't you know, I just didn't have anyone to go with. It wasn't like I was oh, boycotting got, it. Yeah. I know. I didn't have friends. But anyway, continue.
0: I want to talk about when Alan when they were walking just into the elevator and how Phil was like you're not really gonna you're not gonna really uh you're not coming down like that, right? Like, and then he's wearing the. I love the. I love that scene. The Indiana Jones satchel. Is that like Indiana Jones wears it? And the tight, <laughs> yeah. tight, 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 yeah. tight shirt that the, he should be wearing. Yeah, the white, white pants. I think. Too. Yeah, but the white just, pants. Uh, like, I love Alan. in This movie. He's just like he pushes it to another limit. His he pushes his character to another. Did life.
3: you notice that the guy when the when the doors open yes. like oh, yeah, he was uh, Todd Phillips? It was that Todd Phillips. Yes. And I he wish was, um, he was going down. Oh the yeah, girl. on the on the oh, yeah. lady in the in the elevator. I wish oh, yeah.
0: they would have shed light more on that light. Really? I thought, no, no,
2: no. More as it like. <laughs> I mean, I can direct you to some websites bring, bring where you can characters see
0: that. back in, like, oh, like maybe these are the drug dealers or something. Like, it just oh, seemed yeah. like it looked like, oh, this is gonna be, they're gonna be later in the movie, and they never show up again. Yeah. Um, um, so
3: yeah, so I mean, getting back to the Wolfpack speech, I think I think that's kind of where we want to jump off from before we go to where they they wake up. But I think the Wolfpack speech was kind of one of the quintessential funny moments in the movie that set up. It kind of set up the night, okay. <laughs> but uh, okay. So one of the things that I thought was hilarious was number one, he was a one man wolf pack. <laughs> Are we not? I mean, one man wolf pack that doesn't work. Doesn't work. Um, strippers and cocaine, and then he pulls out the knife and cuts his blood hand. Blood brothers. The blood brothers, and uh, <laughs> it just it just to me it was it was oh, funny don't. and jokey, but it was also kind of. Really cool, because I we you know I I take this movie and I impute it on my own life with your bachelor party, Eddie. When we went to Vegas, and this is what I expected. I mean, I, I asked you how much money I had to bring. I had no idea how much.
0: <laughs> I said the number is that's it. I was like, uh, you could bring more if you want. <laughs>
1: well, let's just talk
0: about Sean seriously because I believe he was passing his bar.
1: And no, it was,
3: he- it was my last year of law school. Yeah, and um, Eddie uh, cannot schedule worth a damn i can't
0: schedule my life around you he Sean.
3: scheduled his bachelor party for the day of my midterms that ending. was my fault actually and hey. then he scheduled his wedding for the same day as my final yeah figure it out you made a choice <laughs> i did i got to both of them yeah so, yeah yeah so i left my my midterm with i think it was over at 8 p.m thank you in san diego i got on a plane i had like an hour layover in la and then got to vegas not that far behind you guys. Like, I felt like I was two hours maybe behind. Yeah. I caught up. I caught up Thank you for good. showing This man, of course. This and Brandon, man, where were you, Brandon? Up. I was, were I was in Georgia? living in Georgia at the time. How many times you can use that excuse?
2: I mean, <laughs> as many times as it happens in those three years. Um, so, I think that that rooftop scene establishes everything, but also it establishes how this movie, in a lot of ways, is kind of just a, a vehicle for Galifianakis to shine. I mean, this is... This is his show, and he takes and plays off of not straight characters and all the other guys, but in a lot of ways, the uh, the characters that aren't as crazy and and over the top as he is, and yet never once do I feel like he's he's pandering. I really don't. I feel like Galifianakis plays the part
3: beautifully. I really, really think he does. I couldn't agree more. And then, so let's get to the morning after because that's really when the movie starts to roll. Um, so. Let's talk about the wildlife. No, I'm just kidding. Let's talk about that hotel scene. <laughs> that just, hotel. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, the hotel was just a mess. I mean, it was just... Have you ever left a hotel like that?
0: Uh, not like that. But when Stu woke up and he, you just see it, like, you almost got dizzy just looking at that scene. And he had, like, he had a head rush and he was just... It was almost like a he had a, a face cam looking right at him, right? So it was... Mm-hmm. And, you can tell instantly, oh, yeah, he's over. You can tell him that like, he's mm-hmm. barely making it. And he just barely makes to the couch and he falls over. And then that's when Alan waits up behind the bar and falls over, right? And he has no pants mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Like, I think that's I
3: re- saw more of Zach Galifianakis in this movie than yes. I have seen. The Unrated
0: career. version is even ridiculous. It, I, I'm <laughs> regretting almost watching that yeah. version. <laughs>
3: And I don't know about anyone else, but I hadn't seen this in quite some time. I've totally forgot about the baby. Totally forgot oh. about Carlos. Oh, Carlos, baby. one of the best parts hey. too. What do
2: you one think, of,
1: Jeremy? Uh, no, Jeremy. I just think I love how everything got like just. You knew exactly what happened, but you're just waiting for all the, everyone to catch up. What's going on? The baby scene is just one of the funniest scenes because, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, come on,
3: let's just go downstairs." He's like, "We can't." leave a baby down here? I mean, uh, can't leave a baby up here. Well, Phil tries to leave him like three times. He yeah. tries to leave him in the hotel room. He said he cracked a window in the car, which I think they actually left him in the yeah, car. They left him alone in the he's car. actually
0: <laughs> the only one with the, the actual son and the wife. Like,
3: yeah. So it's, <laughs> he, <wants laughs> like, with... he should know better. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, to me, that was, that
2: was honestly one of the most interesting things is how many jokes. And, and again, I, I hate to be just kind of a, a broken record over here, but how many jokes they really push the boundaries. I mean, if you look at it, they got the baby you know, jacking off at the table, which is funny, <laughs> well, it's, it's, but at the it's, same time. It might be bad on an airplane, but it's but not
3: bad at a brunch table.
2: <laughs> with a four-month-old. Um, I mean, you look at that and you go, oh, my God. And they leave him in the car and he says, oh, it's okay. I cracked the window. I mean, these are all jokes that are, are pretty non-PC. I yeah. mean, they're, they're really pushing a boundary. Again, there's two ways to look at it. You can say damn, that's horrible and, and it shouldn't be included in a movie. Or you can say, you know, I give it to them for, for having the balls to say, let's just throw it out there and see if it sticks. I mean, oh. for me, I, I look at it and I, I go the ladder. I really do. I say, you know what? Good job on them. Even though most of these jokes in other movies, I, I don't think I'd laugh at, honestly.
3: It the takes way away- they do it here, it works. It takes away some of the power too. So when you make mm-hmm. jokes that are ridiculous or non-PC, it takes away the... The stigma of the word like we talked about, it takes away the the stigma of the of of whatever you're joking about and makes it less important, less offensive. So in that respect, I do think you're hit the nail on the head. I think you're absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. What about the tiger? (laughs) Brilliant. And I mean, I
2: remember I literally remember uh, seeing this movie for the first time in theaters and all of a sudden out of nowhere. Mike Tyson shows up and I know we're jumping way, way ahead, but it was what I like about that first scene is everything besides the chicken is completely accounted for, you know, and and it makes sense. It all, I mean, it all definitely comes back to the chicken really never gets a back. And I looked at it and I, I looked it up and, and somebody, there's theories out there. One of the theories are that they got the chicken to feed the tiger, which, you know what? I sit there and I go, you know what? That's some
3: genius thinking. You're going to have a tiger feed. Well, him. I mean, clearly they were smart. They put the tiger to confine him in the bathroom. I mean, it's, it's can funny. you imagine the tiger running amok in the, in the hotel, killing the guests?
0: <laughs> Seriously, it's funny. When you're like drunk, you still have the awareness of, like, okay, like let's make sure we give a bed to uh, Doug up on the roof, at least so he can sleep on the bed. Yeah. You know, it's just funny. Like, like little, you're drunk, but somehow you still know the rules. Almost.
3: Uh, part of the thing I don't like about the podcast is that you look at movies more critically. I'm watching this movie in a, with a critical eye, not just enjoying it, and I'm trying to find like purpose or I'm trying to look deeper. And the, there's we, nothing. There's we nothing try to rip apart sort of movies. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's <laughs> what we do. <laughs> there's nothing here. There's no seriousness. <laughs> to it.
2: This is a this is a, a comedy. This is a summer comedy. It's a
0: wedding. That's what, and, and the yeah. wedding and it's supposed to be you know a bachelor party and they def- the friends definitely took it to a next level.
1: Speaking of the next level, didn't he kind of have like this whole kind of reference to American Pie and with this film right here, you know, kind of like, you know, 10 years later, you know, going to the next level,
3: friendship and things like that. I think in a lot of ways, you're right. I think it's the four friends doing something that you're supposed to do before a a wedding now. So we've moved, we've moved the the puck a little bit further up the road. I think that's, that's interesting.
0: It's also, yeah, 10 years away from American Pie.
2: What I like about this movie, uh, and I hate to just keep saying what I like about this movie because, uh... Again, I could keep talking about all the things I like about this movie. Um, but one of the things I really like about this movie is um, is how it gives even uh, focus on different characters. Even though Galifianakis, I mentioned this, is kind of a one-man show in the sense that he gets all the funny parts, he gets all the outlandish parts, uh, Stu still plays a crazy important role in this. Um, I guess if anybody, Phil kind of takes a little bit of a backseat of the three of them. Doug is kind of MIA for most of the I film. do
3: feel like Phil is the odd man out. Like he he's is. not as funny. He's not as as much of a leader in mm-hmm. the reconstruction of the night as he was maybe mm-hmm. in the creation. <laughs> in the creation of, of yeah. the night.
2: Um and I like and, and I mean I like Ed Helms as an actor. I think that he's great in, in pretty much everything I've seen him in. Um, and I like that he kind of expands his abilities. You know, he plays kind of that silly, crazy freak out character. Well, a lot of times I think he plays kind of the more of the straight laced character.
3: Well, and this, I felt like he could go back and forth. So mm-hmm. he was straight laced when he was sober, but when he was drunk, he was crazy. Like, I think in, when he gets in the, in they get in the ho- in the hotel, uh elevator and zach has the baby or Ad- alan has the baby tied to his, his <laughs> front which by the way where did the baby like where did that come from where did the holster come it from but it doesn't matter it was there and uh he says i don't think you should cuss around the child and and ed Helms says, i don't think you should be around the baby <laughs> <laughs> uh the seats for me and with
2: ed helms looking at ed helms um the scene that sticks out to me is how he freaks out when they get in the back of the cop car and they're being chased or or the the two guys are coming to beat them up with the baseball bats and he's on the phone with his girlfriend trying to talk about how they're starting up a, a, <laughs> a, tractor. a tractor and it's they they're gonna go to a wine tasting and um and Caesar Palace is the uh so <laughs> a joke that I don't think I got the first couple times I've seen it, but I got this time um but yeah he's he's freaking out and it's genuine and it's funny and it's hilarious because we're all kind of like well, how the hell would we act in this situation? I mean, I thought he played it perfectly. I mean,
0: it makes you think, though, like, when you're leaving Caesar's Palace and you go to the valet and you, okay, and then they pull up a cop car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so many different areas of this movie where they could have, like, okay, we're not going here. We're not going. But they just keep pushing it. They just keep pushing, like, and then he just uh, fills. So, oh, I should have been a, a police officer, you know?
1: And he's, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, they're driving on the on Driving the, on the, side the sidewalk, the movie, yeah. yeah
1: i think yeah. the funniest thing is that he's missing his tooth i mean like oh, i would yes. freak me out like you know yeah, Whoa, about that, what yeah. happened last night i i'm toothless right now i mean seriously that's like you know when you think about it you have no idea what happened and you're trying to figure things out and you're trying to play this detective role or just play this detective ways to figure out what's going on in the meantime find your friend at the same time And
3: one of the things that um i think I'm trying to. I would, in trying to organize how I wanted to talk about this movie is. I think this is better. It's more organic. But I was looking at the character arcs or or how the characters changed. If we look at them each individually, what I found interesting is is and I think everyone has this kind of person in their life. Phil has the family, has the kid, has has kind of the perfect life. He's a teacher. You know, he's got summers off, so he's got kind of a really cool life. And he's using this trip to escape or to get away from. That life, and by the end of the time when he gets back to the wedding at the end of the movie, he goes and he hugs his kid and he hugs his wife. I think that he grew from it. I think that he got away and he did something different and then kind of re-realized how good his life was. For Stu, yeah, you know, he realized his life sucked and then he needed to change everything. And then for Alan, all he wanted was friends and he found friends. So yeah, they all kind of in a weird way. I know this movie doesn't have a lot of meaning behind the characters, but they all developed. And change throughout the course of the movie. And they all got what that, they wanted That's at the end. nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's nice to see um, in, in, from a story perspective.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and going off of that, one of the things I have in my notes, and I know we're going to the very end of the movie, but when uh, when Stu breaks up with his girlfriend, and they have that shot of of Phil just smiling in pride. And to me, that was one of my favorite, favorite shots, and it lasts all of a half a second. But you just see that he is so proud of his friend for sticking up and doing the right thing, and basically saying, you know what, the way that you've been treating this guy is is wrong, and finally this guy's standing up, and, and really taking his life into his own hands, and I'm just, I love that one shot.
0: I think we all have that for, I mean, I like, I love that, how you talked about that, because you can kind of see it throughout the movie, like, they have this concern towards each other of, like, You know, but it's almost like they are joking around, but it's like, okay, well, let's, you know, can I tough it up? You know, they just, like, hit each other in the chest. Like, oh, you got this. You know, let's go. Let's move on. And it's just like like how Ed Helms, he married the stripper, right? And, you know, Phil... Yeah, and Phil was like, hey, you look happy. and You look really happy. You know, and and then that's right where they give baby Carlos back to uh, Heather Graham, which is Jade. But, like, it's just like... All the friends are always there with each other, and Alan became real close with them. So they, I mean, the, Phil and Stu and Dud, they were friends before this, so they have a lot of history. And then they brought Alan in, but it just shows that they have a lot of. It's it goes beyond just the day. It goes like you know what they they really care for each other's lives. Like Phil really wanted Stu to be happy. I think
1: you, you can see in the film like their chemistry, their friendships. It's all from the characters, it's all from the actors. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely see that, man. Like, you know, and that's what makes the movie work. You're just buying into their friendship, their chemistry, and everyone helps each other out in this film. As an actor and as the story is progressing and whatnot, you're so caught up into it, and that's what makes the movie work. So offensive along the way, too, of
0: a bunch of little things.
1: Well, and oh, it's yeah. not
3: just situational and physical comedy linked together by story. It's story driven by the comedy. So the comedy is is kind of the catalyst to show you what the characters are within the confines of the story. They're not just doing jokes for joke's sake. They didn't drive the cop car mm-hmm. uh, just because that. Oh, that'd be funny if you're at a valet and you got a cop car. They drove the cop car because it showed the progression of the evening and it allowed them to do a lot of really fun, cool stuff. Well, it gets them to the police station, right? Which <laughs> Rob mean, is such a <laughs> such a,
2: an integral part of the movie. Um, and I mean, one of the things that I like about this movie, too, and, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, is that maybe this movie seems a little old and dated just because so many jokes have been played off of it from this point on. But I think it's also because some of these these lines, some of these jokes have become kind of iconic. Um, I mean, a line that's constantly joked between my wife and myself is is in the face, you know, with Ron Regal screaming in the face when Zach Galifianakis gets, you know, tasered in the face. Um, and you get finish all him, these, finish yeah. We get all these kind of jokes that I think that you hear hear thrown around, kind of almost on a daily basis. Uh, that all kind of come back to this movie, and you see just the important
3: um, effect that it's had on society in general. Well, and like like American Pie did before it, and like a lot of movies did after it, it changed the tone of comedies. And I think if you look at great comedians like Dave Chappelle or uh, <clears throat> some of the older comedians, they always pushed the limits of comedy into areas that, like you said, made people uncomfortable, but they also pushed it into revealing kind of that this is not as big of a deal or not as big of a, a, a faux pas stigma, as, Yeah. yeah a stigma is that, you know, that you think it is. I, I loved how like that
0: scene right there though, was did anyone have a chance to go to the police station, police station and like have a chance to do that? Like, like ne- as
3: a child? Yes. Like, did you ever take a field trip to taser a guy? Yes. No. <laughs> to lose like, her But belt? it is where Vegas. Is, <laughs> where is this? Uh, it's Vegas, Nevada is well, where it's at. And Butterball was just fantastic. That kid that, oh, that yeah, I mean. Yeah. Or Alan the look, gets the phone out of the, oh, the and kid's the hand. look on that kid's face was perfect. It was <laughs> the most perfect, perfect thing. So we're talking a little bit about, um, uh, one more thing before we do a little cocktail break. We're talking a little about the impact of The Hangover, and it just struck me. Um, there's an episode of one of my favorite shows, Psych, called last night gus and it's basically this premise where the whole cast it wakes up on the morning of a, an episode and they've got to retrace their steps and go through this whole thing so we've got a, a pretty popular tv show at the time that 10 almost probably 10 you know was probably seven years later seven years later did essentially the plot of the hangover in one of its episodes on network television so that i mean mm-hmm. that's well, the, the procedural it, it, yeah it, as a Comedy route, I mean, this kind of established
2: that it works.
1: It's an influenced film, Bachelorette, you know, where it's actually with Kirsten Dunst and all those other actresses. They did their own kind of like a hangover movie and whatnot. Didn't succeed or anything like that, you know. (laughs) Clearly, I have never seen it. It was not good. (laughs) You're right.
0: This movie paved the
1: way for like bridesmaids. Yeah. Exactly. Um, was it mom's was moms, it night? Uh, mom's night, mom's night out yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Date Rough night night, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. There's there's a bunch of different like, like a, whole a, cra- genre a crazy honorable A crazy
0: night that happens and the next day's like what just happened. Right. Yeah. Right.
3: All right, I think we're gonna uh take a pause and make another cocktail It's delicious, uh what is it called?
0: Wolfpack Venom.
3: Wolfpack Venom, and uh we'll <laughs> rejoin you in a couple of minutes.
1: Oh
0: my goodness.
3: California yeah, look at you
0: Can we please not be four white guys?
3: Are we on right now? Are we oh, we're on? on. Okay, welcome back. <clears throat> we're doing that. Anyway. So I
2: want to take us back to the uh, the wedding chapel because to me that was a really crazy, cool uh, re- revelation for these guys. I mean, that's kind of, in a lot of ways, I know Sean uh, in the break was talking about how the the hospital scene is kind of the revelation that kind of pieces things together. And I think that's definitely true. For me, it was the uh, the wedding chapel scene and then... The ensuing ramming of the car and and bats and everything going on in the parking lot.
3: Well, it kind of set up the whole uh, them versus someone nefarious like you had. So you had this like it looked like like a triad Asian gang holding them up at gunpoint, you know, in the cop car outside mm. the big little chapel or the little chapel or big best little chapel and their little friend who had nothing but good things to say about them. And then he gets shot. Like, this movie goes from, like, normal, like, hijinks in Vegas to, like, true, like true romance. Like, hijinks <laughs> to hijacks. <laughs> they, they shot Eddie. They, yeah, they, they they the Eddie. Eddie. Yeah, they shoot Eddie. Yeah, they shoot Eddie. And they shot in the car. And the kid is in the car with no car seat. Like, Carl. Wait, Carl? Carlos. 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 He looked like a Carlos. No, Tyler. Uh-
1: <laughs> Technically, his name was Tyler, actually. It was Tyler. He looked like a. Carlos. Anyway, so they're
3: shooting up the car, and, and little Carlos slash Tyler is in the back seat of the car for that whole scene. That's where they cracked the window and left him in there. Where they went into the best little chapel.
1: Didn't you feel bad when the the baby was just crying? You're just like, fuck, come on, guys. Yeah. yeah, I get all like, yo, this is too real now. I thought uh,
0: it was funny when the the Stu's girlfriend was called, and like she was just like, already like just just got this eerie feeling when she's calling. It's like, oh, like she's just gonna bitch him out already. Like, you haven't checked in on me or anything. Oh, I think she
1: was like one of the worst people in, on, on that film. Yeah. You know, I'm just it's like, God, I wrote my notes like, Stewart's wife. Holy shit. It's girlfriend, too.
0: Things <laughs> thinks yeah. he needed to get away from. Yeah, she slept with the bartender on the cruise.
3: Was it a bartender or was bartender it? Bartender? No, or, it was a bartender. It was not a waiter. It, it, was, it a was a bartender. <laughs> yeah. But it reminds me of a trip that we took a long time ago to a little place called Mammoth. And one of the things that I think is interesting is how you react as a young man. When your girlfriend slash spouse uh, tries to call you, don't worry, Bran, it's a good thing, Uh, versus how you're old. And this is one of the things that I kind of got from the movie with Phil and with uh, with Stu. So Phil has a family. He's he's already advanced into the position of having a child, having a family, and he's trying to get away from it. Stu doesn't understand what that means yet. Stu just has a girlfriend. And there's a huge disconnect or leap when you're in a committed relationship versus when you're kind of single, even if he hadn't put a ring on it yet, he's still single. So there's just there's a different dynamic. And those of us who are single do not understand in any way, shape or form the draw or the need to talk to your spouse or your girlfriend. It's important. And so this kind of shed light on that, that trip that we took many years ago where I gave my friends a lot of guff for talking to their significant others. Just one. Uh, just one. We, yeah, he had terrible shoes. Anyway, um... all I'm saying is, though, <laughs> Stu me. could have
0: easily avoided that whole situation if he would have called her early in the morning.
3: When he should have. When he should have. And yeah, then yeah, he wouldn't
0: have to make her you know, super worried like that.
3: So the other thing that kind of, uh, as we progress through the story, we go to meet Jade at her house and Carlos slash Tyler uh, go, goes back with his mother. Was anyone else a little disturbed by the breastfeeding scene? Not Why? a bit.
0: No. I liked
1: it why I was more disturbed that she actually left her baby uh, in a hotel room that's yes. she went to
2: go get coffee Yeah,
1: Jer, yeah. with people she didn't even know, you know
2: I'm, I'm gonna be on the bandwagon it of, was with her uh, husband it's feeding and so if you have problems
3: with a woman breastfeeding exactly. then you Thank should have you. problems with somebody eating a candy okay. bar I have no problem with a woman breastfeeding especially in the safety of her own home I was just it was a little weirded out that she did it in front of the three people she didn't know in her home oh but she knew she yeah, did I mean, not she gave him hugs and I kisses mean, on the well, way yeah. That's, the, their, that's they that, they that. That comes the. Yeah. That
2: comes
0: the whole breastfeeding rule. Like, you know, like it's it's a it's a natural thing. It's not supposed to be hidden that your baby needs mm-hmm. food.
2: Listen, the mammary glands are, are made to 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 feed and Perfect. to look at. It was
0: it was, fun. It was <laughs> weird how I mean everyone was just like looking. So that, I mean, yeah, like,
3: Alan didn't look away the whole time. She
0: maybe like Jade could have like took notice, like, okay, maybe I should put this away because everyone's just looking at me right now this way. Like, you know, but overall, real real life, like,
3: yeah, that happens. happens. Yeah. So be ready.
2: Sean. I mean, I think
3: it's just parent. Oh, no, I just don't think it should happen in public. This, I didn't bother me. That, that wasn't was public. In, that, she in was, was in her own apartment, home, which I just said. I'm just saying, my problem, my problem was that she just whipped it out in front of like all these people she doesn't know. I don't think that that That's a reasonable thing to do. I, I know it was weird. I think
2: that that's kind of part of the humor of the whole scene and the whole situation is that she met these guys realistically eight hours before, maybe. Yeah. And now much. she greets them with hugs and kisses and knows them um, by their first name and invites them in and they become best friends because they are, um, you know, the four best friends that anybody had ever have. <laughs> and, <laughs> no. uh, but we see, we see kind of just the outlandish humor of the whole situation in. Um, just kind of you're talking about situational comedy. This is situational comedy in itself. Is like, holy crap! This woman acts like she's known these people for months and months and years and years. And I guess it's it was the comfort, hours.
3: the comfort that was off-putting, and I oh, think okay, yeah. it kind of goes back to to your thing as it makes you uncomfortable and mm-hmm. it's funny. Like, it wasn't offensive. It was just uncomfortable Uncomfortable. and funny. Yeah, uncomfortable. Um, But so then we move into the impound. So after we go to the police station, we've already talked about that. We go to the impound lot, which is where I think the movie kind of... If the chapel is the first ignition point, the impound lot is the second ignition point. Mm -hmm. Because they get the car back. Which is all nice. Brand. (laughs) Which is beautiful. Yeah. And they uh, find someone in the trunk. And uh, Leslie Chow pops out. Mr. Chow. And... My favorite thing that Alan says is, I hate Godzilla. I hate Godzilla. And I'm like, oh, that's super offensive. <laughs> no, no one's gonna fuck on you.
1: I'm on your side. I hate Godzilla. He destroys buildings. <laughs> and, and this this to me was the first wall, time wall. Yeah, this ahead. is the first
2: time I'd ever seen Ken Jong. And I mean, since this movie he's kinda of had a, a a crazy huge um career and, and I mean thanks to this movie in a lot of ways. Um, but to me, he was kind of this out of nowhere character who didn't make any sense and it wasn't until I watched it again this week that I realized that he's got actually a pretty good major part in this whole movie that he um, really changes the, the trajectory of these characters for really the whole last half hour of the movie.
0: Yeah, because Alan made Mr. Chow rich mm-hmm. and then they stole him because he looked like a leprechaun. No, he says his lucky <laughs> charm. It was That's lucky why. Char- yeah. yeah.
1: It was actually Phil. He's like, he just grabbed it because he was my lucky charm <laughs> <laughs> <from>
3: the truck. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so... <laughs> So this is where we find out that uh, Alan was responsible for the Rufalin in the Jaeger shots at the beginning of the movie. And one of the things that I like is he he says, I fudged up, guys. I fudged up. (laughs) I don't know what it was about his character because there was a couple of scenes where he was um, copying what Bradley Cooper was doing, what, what Phil was doing. And it just made you he wanted to be like Phil so much. But he wouldn't go that far. Like he would, he would go to the brink, but not really use bad language. Or he would do something, but not quite get it, (laughs) like all the way there. And I just thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. But then they go back to the hotel and meet the infamous Mike Tyson. Ooh. So, Uh, Brandon, I know there was some stuff you wanted to talk to uh, talk about.
0: What song was playing though when 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 we walked in? Oh, Phil Collins. That was. Dinner, dinner, dinner,
3: dinner.
1: Yeah, but people misinterpret that. Yeah. So yeah, people always misinterpret-, misinterpret it all the time. So let's they-
2: talk about Mike Tyson, everybody. Um, I mean, I love the fact that he comes out in, in out of absolutely nowhere. That we we're, we're like all of a sudden, oh, there's Mike Tyson just freaking sitting there, who is like a B minus level character or celebrity if he is a celebrity anymore. Um, but yet at the same time, he's so well known, he's so well you know remembered um, that his character just it doesn't make sense there, which makes sense. Did you just come a B listed? Oh, he's a B minus. I yeah. would say he at if,
3: that point he was a D listed. He oh, D-list. If, he if he's listening to you guys.
0: Habit, he, this that's no. Sean and Brandon. I, I think gladly, you're A listed. I would
3: gladly be Alan knocked out by uh, Mike by Tyson. Mike Tyson. That's right. a story if, for to. Yeah, I mean,
0: we're uh, if we're in Las Vegas, and Mike Tyson's there. We're definitely no.
3: I have mean,
2: so yeah. So his whole his whole situation explains the Tiger number one, um, number two. It gives us that really kind of... To me, it was a funny scene when they're just trying to transport the tiger back and he wakes up halfway there and they have to basically push the car with, a, with the tiger just like sitting in the back seat. Well,
3: back up. Just they peppered the steak. That was one of the iconic moments. Because what? Uh-huh. He's, putting, he's no. putting the roofies in the steak and he peppers it. Like, and he, he says, <laughs> why are you peppering a steak? And Alice says, tigers like pepper.
0: Not like, cinnamon. <laughs> yeah, they hate cinnamon. <laughs>
3: Uh, And this is where we get one of the best parts of the movie. We get the song, uh, Stu's song. Stu's song. uh, Which was performed beautifully by Ed Helms. Mm -hmm. And I did a little research on the song because I was wondering what it was about. Does anyone else have anything to say before I... I think it was a summary of the movie. (laughs) It was a summary of the movie. Okay. But I was wondering if it was ad-libbed or whether it was... I think it was ad-libbed. It was ad-libbed, I think. So uh, the cast and the crew of The Hangar were spent close to three weeks in the hotel suite. Uh, between takes, Ed Helms would fool around on the piano, and uh, that was part of the set and try to make the cast and crew laugh. One day, director Todd Phillips suggested to Helms that he write a song about the tiger, which would serve as a breath in the narrative. Within the day, Helms wrote the whole song, and after Phillips tinkered with it, they shot the scene in two takes. Ed Helms is a crazy good musician.
2: I mean, <laughs> you see that in, in a lot of his stuff in the in the office. You see that. Um, and then in this, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it just, to me that shows kind of the comedic genius of, of the people involved in this movie is that they just, uh, they just let it go. And, and I think one of the things that makes it successful is that you have actors and comedians who are trying to go out of their way just to make their friends laugh and just to make each other laugh. And, and if that's they when they're laugh, best. if they laugh, then guess what we're going to do. That's what going laugh if, too.
3: If you, I mean, not to get off topic, but if you look back at the old SNL skits, I feel like the casts were trying to make each other laugh or try to break on set. I know Jimmy Fallon. Everyone wanted to try to get Jimmy Fallon to break on on the cast of SNL when he was there. That was like their goal. Is to and that was not a hard goal because he no, broke almost he, he every broke every <laughs> skit. <man. laughs> but I mean, I think that's kind of what 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 this cast really did well is they made each other laugh, and you could see, like you said before, Brandon. I think Jeremy said it too. It looked like they were having fun. They were yeah. not they were not it was was not a struggling set. And if you're doing a comedy, if you're doing especially this type of a comedy, I think you have to have some chemistry. and they certainly did. One of the lines that I love though, before they go in to see Mike Tyson is, uh, I think Stu says it, like, what about the tiger? And Phil says, I keep forgetting about the fucking tiger. <laughs> like, that's, like, the thing to forget in this movie. There's so much going on in this movie that I, forever, I think everyone forgot about the tiger in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a big deal. So to make that the last leg of their journey, I think, is really, I mean, is really funny. Yeah.
2: Um, I think we talked about this right before the break, actually, is that this movie is really at its core structurally a, a, not a police, but a procedural you know, it's, it's trying to find out what happened and, and you know, what did happen um, through retracing steps and finding evidence. Um, and yet they give away the entire answer to the movie really in the first 15 minutes with the with the mattress impaled on the, the oh, yeah. sword, um, which I mean, each one of us saw and probably figured, oh, it had something to do with what they did and then didn't think anything of it. And then the fact that that's really the entire movie comes back, circles back to that. Um, I think, number one, it's genius, and number two, um, it just adds kind of another layer of of smart to kind of a a dumb comedy.
3: Yeah, and and, I mean, to play off that, you've got dumb people, really dumb dumb people, trying to retrace steps of a drug-filled night, and you end up at Mike Tyson's house. Could you imagine a better story? I mean, a better... Series of events that brought you peeing in Mike Tyson's pool like Alan did. I mean, that's just. And also <laughs> humping the tiger. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Who you does? Know. That's a majestic animal. <laughs> <laughs> I love the
1: fact, when he felt awkward. He's like, should I leave now? He's like, yeah, <laughs> best is you should leave right now.
3: <laughs> and um, so you had also uh, the second ambush by the Asian clan uh, led by Ken Jong. And then you had uh, kind of the last little stanza of the movie, which is. They finally feel like they found Doug. They go to get Doug. They say they need the $80,000. $80,000, 80, 80. yeah. That ended up being in the satchel, which I think is hysterical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you've got kind of the Rain Man. Allen. Alan, Alan oh. card counting. <laughs> and it, it reminds me of that meme or meme. I don't know how you say it. Um, where it's the girl and she's like looking around and all the numbers are flying around. I don't mm-hmm. know if anyone's seen that. It's it that's I feel like where they got like where where they used it or something came mm-hmm. up like the two are connected somehow, Um but he goes through and he wins at counting cards and that whole scene, it kind of cracked me up because it felt like a Ocean's Eleven inside of an American Pie inside of like a procedural Dick Wolf like mm-hmm. dun dun
0: that, like that whole card counting thing reminded me of like a bunch of different movies like how you were saying like and it's just funny how like. He was actually really good. He had a good theory. It's just—it's crazy how he didn't get caught way before with his mm-hmm. whole mouth moving like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, <laughs> one, two, three, four. Come on. And
3: that suit was god awful. That gray suit that he was wearing. But, but everything just, he wore was god awful, yeah, which man. made it he so god Always
1: out of place with everything. He was just trying to be a classic. Like feel. that
2: scene or the shot when he's just coming down the escalator and he's got yeah. his, his hands folded in front of him. <laughs> yeah, and he just like knows <laughs> that hes he's like the god in that moment. Um, and it just adds to his character It adds to the, the humor But also kind of Which is weird Because it's not lighthearted at all In what they're doing But the lighthearted feel Of the whole movie
3: So then they go back Into the desert With their money And go get the, They get Doug Okay so What I thought was hilarious Was that uh, The actor who played Doug The drug dealer Mike, Mike Elps. Elps Mike Elps Mike Elps, Elps. Confused with Mike Epps Sorry Mike Oh Elps. is it Epps Is it Elps I thought it was Epps
1: Yeah it's Mike Epps Oh, I was just playing. Wow. My gaps. No,
3: but he's also like 10 feet taller than uh, the actor who... Like, didn't Doug. they know this? Like, the, the white dog. He's way taller. He's got to be at least two and a half foot taller than Justin Bartha. I mean, literally. I
1: was just thinking about his outfit. Like, well, he's not wearing, like, you know, anything.
0: <laughs> so, he's wearing like a, le- uh, like a leather jacket. Like, rural, yeah, rule of thumb, make sure you ask for the face. Yeah.
3: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Alan's classic mix-up. It's like
1: <laughs> no, like Phil's like you no, know, no, no, take it back, and he's like no, I'll be your Doug, I'll be your Doug. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then they end up going back to the hotel, uh, or actually, they they go on the way to the hotel. Phil's gonna tell um, uh, Doug's wife what happened, and uh, in the conversation, the f- kind of. I would say the most famous conversation in the movie, which is when they're talking about the drugs. Uh, we've got Stu who kind of comes up with the idea that uh, Doug is on the roof and then they go back to the hotel.
1: Yeah. Did anyone actually put two together? Because I still trying to figure out how he figured it out. Because I remember the, you know, the mattress, you know, because like- I don't know why they call them
3: roofies. You always end up, on- you always end up on, no, you always end, you end up, up on the up floor. Up. Yeah.
0: Not the roof.
2: Yeah. Not the roof. So and literally, you just said. hear roof, and he's like, that's the one place in all of Vegas we haven't checked, and the one place that we've been to that we can remember.
3: Which is, our yeah, I was going to say, that's and literally then, the only place they could remember. Mm-hmm. Which and, is then, and then
0: it clicked with him, oh, why was there a mattress down there when the windows don't open up in <laughs> Vegas for a reason? When oh, yeah. you're in Vegas, you can't open up the windows for people
1: jumping. Sorry, I'm just a little 10 little years late on that one, yeah.
3: <laughs> so, uh, once they're at the hotel, they go up to the roof, they finally find Doug, and. What I love, first of all, is that he is absolutely sunburnt to God heaven. He's just horrible. And then he tackles Phil. Yeah, Yeah, why Phil? I don't know. Because
0: Phil Phil said something like, hey, bud, you got a little... You got a little color. You got got
2: a little color. color."
0: And the whole night obviously went a little crazy because of, I want to say,
2: Phil. Well, I think that if we look back at it, Phil was probably the instigator in a whole lot of stuff. And so... Being an instigator, too, he's probably thinking, well, if there's one person who left me up here for a day and a half, it's got to be the one guy don't
3: the, the, the first the,
0: reason why they even went up to the roof was because of Phil.
3: Yeah, very good point, yeah.
0: Oh, poor Phil. Poor Phil.
3: So the sprint to the finish, there's some stuff that I want to I, I just kind of highlight. Doug in the wheelchair with that ridiculous hat in the water coming down <laughs> <laughs> was pretty much... He looked like he had just been through hell. All these people had been shot at. Had married strippers and had a baby, uh, you know, that they had to look after. They look like hell, but he just looks dreadful. And then they get into the car, and like you were saying during the break, you've got um, Alan, who's trying to copy Phil, <laughs> Is slamming on the front top of the car saying, come on, come on, guys, come on. And, and so they get into this car, and then they do the mad dash, the home. Uh, What what I really liked was the tux delivery. I mean, I I don't know how how that can like be a thing, but that was that was like Air Force One shit right there. Air Force One shit. Oh my god! Movie delivered the gas right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of
0: cool. If you can, is that possible to do?
3: Air Force One? With Harrison Ford. With Harrison. No, I know, what the mo- I know the movie. You, what, are you talking about the refueling in midair? Yeah, the refueling in mid uh, I was thinking about like executive decision when Steven Seagal dies at the very beginning. No, not executive to decision. Com- that's yeah, not uh, they- No, that's Kurt Russell.
0: I think that's a real touch shop, though, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, they have that. That's They have that That's a real
2: company.
0: That's a good advertisement right, right? there. <laughs> the whole <laughs> freeway, up. too, I think, took place on, like, what was it, the, 15, the 15, 15 freeway? Yeah, yeah it
3: be 15. <laughs> so they get back uh, for the wedding in time, and one of the one of the best parts is that the dad wants now to give this broken down, busted ass car to uh, to Doug. Doug he yeah, had no his idea, wife. though. No idea that it's destroyed. Uh, and and did anyone else notice the wedding singer at the wedding? Oh yeah, absolutely. Just totally inappropriate. Oh, candy shot. The
0: candy shot. Absolutely.
3: I thought the band was dope, actually.
0: Especially live Fame.
1: He's like fame, and he's like. He's just like running around, just like trying to like dance, dance upon all these people. Something I mean, about kind of live bands. Man. Live
0: bands are legit uh, weddings. Oh, band isn't... over
3: DJ any day of the week. Oh, yeah. yeah Even a bad up. band is better than the best and that's, DJ.
0: Isn't that right where uh, Phil, uh, not Phil, Stu's uh, girlfriend mm-hmm. just went off on Stu? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his, yeah. his retort was, you are just a, a bad person. <laughs> like, you know, he just couldn't like go off. He was like, that was the best way.
3: And then he says, Alan, let's go dance. Will it be this?
0: <laughs> Alan was funny with his whole hair thing. Like, he always was obsessed with, is my hair like... Is my well, hair
3: like, Phil had great hair.
0: Like Sean's hair. Like Sean, Sean hair, does yeah, have
3: good Sean, hair. If yeah. people, we have to talk about it. Sean, Sean, Sean wanted
0: his hair to be talked about today. I did not. It's like Phil.
3: I wish my hair was as good as
0: Phil's. <laughs> on a bad day, it's like Alan, but on a great day, it's like Phil.
3: <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't ever compare me to that, that Alan. So uh, the film kind of closes out with... The, the pictures which was really cool we can we get yeah we get
2: it gives us all the answers
3: it's an easy way to wrap up all the the
2: tangled up questions that we still have
1: it's the best way to actually end the film mm-hmm. and have people stay in their seats to watch everything because they were all invested into it and they were like yeah we want to see what's going on here super yeah.
0: creative because I don't think mm-hmm. that happened before like how like that was definitely very I think I i don't I don't think of another movie like that that happened like that like a full-on like it was meant to happen. It was
3: almost like an epilogue. It was almost like a like a post credit sequence that the Marvel Universe is. Kind and it was of, a yeah. pretty, pretty hardcore R rated.
2: Yeah, unrated uh, or rated? Unrated uh, R rated. I don't know. I watched rated. the
3: unrated edition, and there was some graphic ass stuff. Like yes, was, there was. It was a prosthetic. saw by the way. Alan. Oh, thank God. Okay, yes.
0: yeah. Alan was getting like you know and something he was, done uh, in the elevator. A lollipop? Yes. <laughs> yes. With some
1: lady. He was
3: terrified to show his mom. All right, bring us home, Jeremy.
1: That brings us to the end of our review. Now it's time in the podcast where each of the hosts provides its own score of our
0: scale. Please, my brother, provide us with that scale. Oh, I gladly will. Zero, the perfect movie. You don't need shit to enjoy it. One, a feel-good first cocktail. Two drinks, a happy buzz. Three, your Uber or lifting home. Four drinks, a rough morning walk of shame. Five, you black out, shit face, spring break drunk. So, gentlemen, let's start with Brandon. Uh, what are you gonna start with?
2: So uh, this is a movie where I've always thought that I liked it. I mean, I can remember it back and I haven't watched it in years, but I always remember liking it. Um, and when i when I come into to watching these movies for the podcast, I come in with with my pen and my pad of paper ready, and I just want to take notes and kind of dissect it and just rip it apart. And I found that after uh, about halfway through the movie, three-quarters of the way through the movie, I realized that I hadn't taken a single note. And <laughs> it's it, it's to that reason that I really want to kind of give this movie a nod is because I was just enjoying it. I was just sitting back and smiling and laughing. And yes, are some of the jokes uh, inappropriate? Are some of the jokes pushing boundaries that maybe they shouldn't be? Uh, yeah, and that's actually one of the reasons why uh, it, it got a lower score, in my opinion, than it could have, is because I think that sometimes it does cross a line that maybe it shouldn't be crossing. At the same time, the fact that the, the filmmakers, Todd Phillips and all the others, um, allowed it to go there and didn't apologize for it, it's something that I, I definitely um, I appreciate, I appreciate about them. Um, and so after just sitting back and just enjoying this movie and just laughing along with the parts that we're supposed to laugh at, um, I came up with a score of 1.5. So I'm saying that this is a feel-good first cocktail with an extra shot. And so I want to turn it over to uh, my buddy Jeremiah. One point what? One
0: point
3: five.
1: Um, the movie still is actually good times. You know, I'm sure ten years ago I thought this was funny as shit. However, it's aged a little. But what really draws me to this film is the chemistry between the four leads, and that pretty much makes the film in so many ways. Like their friendship feels genuine. You know, it kind of rewatching this, it just kept me smiling, like make me think of my friends here. The gentlemen that are in this room and i like things like that you know not saying that we're actually those people but you know what i'm saying like you know just this group that we have here our own little wolf pack Mm. i like that so um i think the movie's good times
3: i was a wolf pack of one and then you joined (laughs) my
1: wolf pack so you know i think the movie's good times you know what um for me it's a two and a half it's a happy buzz with a shot you know and I actually enjoyed it, actually, a lot more than what I thought I was going to enjoy. Sean, what we got?
3: So I I kind of looked at this movie through two lenses. The first was a critical lens from the perspective of it came out the year I graduated from college. I remember being just gut-splittingly laughing at this movie the whole way through. I didn't get it this time. The jokes felt flat. They felt tired. Uh, the chemistry and the camaraderie were great. Stu's song was fantastic. There were a lot of areas I really appreciated, but at the end I just didn't feel like it. It held up that well, and then I look at it through the other side of how it impacted film going forward, and I think that saves it a lot from where I, I came in at like a four or four and a half uh, because of the flat jokes, because of the kind of the inappropriate nature. But after the podcast and kind of talking about it and seeing the impact it had throughout the course of film, I'm, I'm going to bump that. Up to a three and a half, so we're talking about an Uber or Lyft home, with an extra little shot. Uh, I think that's where it belongs from the from just just from the tiredness of it. But I think it could be better. I enjoyed it better than a three and a half. I did, but I think it belongs at a three and a half. Ed, what do you think?
0: Well, I completely agree with all you guys, and I don't want to take credit for this movie because this was not my movie. Okay. So no, it was, make, okay, okay, sorry, clear, it was a group choice. I'm sorry. I very clear. This was not the movie. I mean, I love this movie. It's I agree with Sean that, um, something about the movie when you first watch it, it you know, it just remembers, you have these awesome memories when you first watch the movie and then you watch again, you know, eight, 10 years later and you're like, wow, like, okay, that was a little offensive. What I, 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 you know, I thought this movie was a lot funnier, but like it was one of those movies, like how Brandon was saying, like, I didn't really take notes for it. It's just like, it was, I was the whole movie. out I was like, okay, well I probably should write something down now. Um. I felt a little at times that it dragged after, you know, I felt like, okay, like, I know what's coming. It's, if you have a, I have a problem with that. like, if movies, if you tend to already like look towards the end, then something's wrong with the movie. And I was somewhere around towards the middle. I was like, okay, well, I I know what's happening now. And I almost wanted to, I, moments I wanted to fast forward it. And then I never did. So I said, okay, let, let me just sit through this. I mean, Bradley Cooper, amazing actor, Ed Helms, amazing actor, Zach, I'm not going to say his last name. Uh, but the movie, everyone, it was great. It makes me think of my bachelor party. It makes me think of everything. But it also makes me think like, okay, like, am I going to do that now? Or will I act that way now? No, probably not. So I'm going to give it uh, a two and a half. That is uh, a happy buzz with a shot.
3: So Brandon, when we take all those scores and divide by four, where does that put us? That puts us at a 2.5, a two and a half. So collectively, we're saying this movie
2: is a happy buzz and a shot. And yeah, I think that that's a pretty good roundabout
3: guess for what we got. And Eddie, where does that put us uh, with the hangover on our list of films we've reviewed?
0: It puts us at number, uh, it's on the list it's 8 out of 10, uh, right between Fight Club and North by Northwest. Uh, so uh, it's,
3: so Fight Club is above it, North by Northwest yeah, below. Yeah, Fight
0: Club's out at 2, and North by Northwest is at 2.375.
3: Uh, we might have a calculation oh, error. Where on where's second. Al Gore? Al Gore. We have a recount. <laughs> we have a recount. Uh, a recount. We, yeah, have, we got I a realize recount. I
0: said, but
3: look how he
2: put it. Uh, that would be a Sean mistake. I can go Damn ahead and fix that right a now. Sean it is between what north by it's northwest. Always Florida. Why north is Florida by northwest and point you break. About?
3: You put it, uh, it Oh goes, no, I totally did uh,
2: it. 2.5 is higher my than 2.375. That is
3: my bad right there. So
2: we're going to go and try that again. i so uh, sorry.
3: It is now uh, I'm doing this on the fly on Excel. And I
0: said it and I was like when I said it was like that didn't no, make sense. That's my bad. I can right help there. you out. Now is number
2: 9.
0: You
1: are like, "Yeah, uh La La Land La La Land La La Land La
3: La Land (laughs) Moonlight Uh, All right, let's try that again
2: Eddie why don't you Hit us up with Where does that
3: put us Eddie where does that Hang over on the list Of films we've reviewed
0: Oh well uh, Unfortunately It's a great movie But uh, number (laughs) 9 Almost uh, It's a
3: little bit Is it better than
0: Point Break It's better than Point Break (laughs) Get
1: the fuck out of here Are you serious It's at number 9 Every fucking episode You guys (laughs) talk about Point Break uh, And that's your movie It's right
0: between North by Northwest And Point Break so there we, so we go, 2.
2: guys. 5. There we go. All right, if
3: you enjoyed our review and are a fan of the podcast, we ask that you please subscribe wherever you're listening and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find us on Instagram at The Gentleman Podcast or visit our website at gentlemanpodcast.com. Or if you want to reach out to us and tell us what a terrible or wonderful job we're doing, please do so by email at hosts at gentlemanpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will see you soon. Cheers, Cheers gentlemen.
0: Cheers.
1: Fucking point break. All the time. Yeah, fuck it point break. Point break is the best movie ever. How yeah.
3: do you guys act like you're not gonna edit the entire
0: thing at the end of the day? <laughs> like that that like the ending was the end all
3: be all of the entire show. That was. We're done.